Are you ready to build a business with consistent income and have time left to spend with your family? In Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson, you will learn the strategies to create exactly what you want in your business and in your life. Now, here's your host, Kathleen Reeson. Welcome to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson here on Inspired Choices Network. And today, you guys, I know I say every week that we have an incredible show, but this one is so fun. I have my new friend and our guest, Hayden Paul here today. So Hayden, thank you for being with us. Oh, I'm excited. Thank you for the invite. Yes. And you guys, so Hayden is, has, plays a really important role in this world and he's with Operation Underground Railroad. And so Hayden, will you just share a little bit about what that is and what you do with Operation Underground Railroad? Yeah, for sure. Um, so Operation Underground Railroad, we're a 501c3 nonprofit and our mission is to rescue um, children who are being exploited um, and are being trafficked for sex. And then we provide aftercare services for them as well. And we'll get, we're obviously going to get more into that later. Uh, my current role, uh, my title is assistant director of donor relations. And so I do, you know, anything from public speaking, development type stuff, working with awesome donors and supporters who are supporting our cause. And I've also been lucky enough to participate on the front lines with these operations and, and seeing the aftercare and things of that nature. So, yeah. So, so thank you for being here and yeah. thank you for sharing that. And so there's so many, so many great things and ways that we can go with this show today. And one of the reasons that I was really excited to bring you on the show is to understand what's really happening in the world. And I, I am committed to creating a world of joy and ease. That's number one, uh, where, where my vision is. And so this show is really designed to create a space where people that have desires or visions get to see them created. And so bringing you on is really showing that what's possible when we set a vision. And I know the history of the organization and my understanding of it is Tim Ballard had a vision and, and this is what got created. But can you share a little bit about that? How did it get started? Yeah, yeah of course. So um, we've been in operation since about 2014. And the way it started is Tim Ballard, who um, was a, um, an agent for DHS, as well as he worked in the CIA for a little bit. He um, work, was working undercover uh, operations to uh, rescue children from sexual ex exploitation and, and uh, rescue them from child pornographers. And um, during that time, uh, he found that because of things like that are important things like jurisdiction and some of the bureaucracy you have to deal with by working in the government, that it was limiting um, the ability to actually extract the children out of the situations. And most of the time, he would be able to travel um, undercover and, uh, you know, follow an American pedophile who was going into, let's say, like Colombia or to Haiti or to these different places. And they were going to abuse children. And he had the jurisdiction um, to be able to arrest the American pedophile. But then a lot of times nothing was done about the children um, who were in those horrific situations. And so um, kind of being torn, he uh, decided to leave the government, gave up his pension, and he started a nonprofit. Um, so that way the children could be extracted from those situations. And so Operation Underground Railroad, we work with law enforcement. We're not a vigilante group. Um, we're not going and kicking down doors ourselves, but we work with law enforcement because we have the autonomy to be able to do some things that, that maybe traditional law enforcement wouldn't be able to do because of things like jurisdiction and, and bureaucracy. And so really we just act as a support element, um, whether it's domestically or internationally. 
Um, and, you know, since Tim Ballard set out on that vision of rescuing children from sex trafficking, we have been able to assist in the rescue of over 4,000 survivors of human trafficking, both children and men and women, um, and also in the arrest of over 2,500 um, predators. And so that's that's our mission. And it, it really started with with that decision to leave the government and to to do something bigger. So is this how big is the challenge of of sex trafficking? Like, Tell me about mm-hmm. what that that real problem looks like. Yeah. So it, it's difficult with problems like this because it's a criminal organization. Right. And so there's a caveat with with sharing statistics and things like that is that it's underground. It's happening under the nose of of law enforcement. So to get really accurate stats, it's, it's kind of difficult. But um, the International Labor Organization estimates that there's an estimated 40 million people who fall under um, either labor trafficking, sex trafficking and organ harvesting. And I also and also uh, forced marriage is in there as well. Um, and so that's that's a lot of people that are being uh, exploited um, and abused. And within that 40 million, it said that about 10 million of them are children. And out of that 10 million, around 2 million of them are being sold and exploited for sex. Um, The average age of a child slave uh, is anywhere from 12 to 14. Um, But, you know, I, we, we've been able to rescue children as young as, as three, two, like it it goes all the way down and it's, it's, it's sickening really. But, um, you know, and, and as we go through this, like all you who are listening that are like, feel a little sick to their stomach, yet you should feel a little sick to your stomach. And it, it's, a, it's a hard thing to listen to. But if, if people like you and me aren't willing to go a little bit into the dark, then these children and those that are being exploited are going to continue to live in the dark. And so we have to have the courage, you know, to hear these things, because hopefully it compels us to do something about it. And so to kind of answer your question in short, human trafficking, um, it's everywhere. It's, it's happening in my state of Utah. It's happening throughout um, the union here in the United States and um, all around the world. Uh, and the problem, the one of the things that makes it so difficult is it's a global problem. So it requires a lot of, um, you know, organization and um, cooperation with foreign governments, you know, working together and law enforcement. Um, and then also, you know, it has so many different faces. So it's not always the taken scenario where Liam Neeson's daughter gets taken and sold to a foreign country. Uh, a lot of times human trafficking can happen inter, uh, in an interfamilial setting, as well as, you know, just in their community, they could be being trafficked under the, the nose of the parents or, or uh, anything, or just the community in general. So. Yeah. I mean, it's totally scary as someone, my oldest child's 12. And mm-hmm. I think about that. I live in Iowa and we have two of the major intersections across the or interstates across the United States yeah. that coincide. And so it's a, it's a big challenge and it's not something that's necessarily you know, until now on the forefront of my mind, mm-hmm. but yet it's there. So mm-hmm. for you guys, how much of your, your work is bringing awareness to this challenge? Yeah, well, that's a huge part. Um, you know, human trafficking, uh, one of the other uh, phrases that's used to describe it is modern day slavery, because that's what it is. You're you're profiting off the exploitation of someone else, whether it's through labor, through sex or whatever. So modern day slavery is, is one way that we define it. And uh, although there are obviously big differences between 
modern day slavery, human trafficking and, and, and the, the transatlantic slave trade, there's also a lot of similarities. And one of the big similarities is the way that we want to combat it. Slavery didn't stop just because Abraham Lincoln decided to be like, all right, I'm doing the Emancipation Proclamation. Everyone's got to follow suit. That's not how it happened. There was actually a war where 600,000 men were killed on U.S. soil. And um, there was a public discourse that was happening. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't even just the Civil War that started that. It was that ended slavery, but it was the storytellers, people like Fred, Frederick Douglass, um, Harriet Tubman, um, Harriet Beecher Stowe, who wrote Uncle Tom's Cabin. They told the story of slavery because, you know, the statistics are debated over, but an estimated, you know, you know, uh, two to six percent of Americans ever owned slaves. So what that means, and now most of it was in the South. So about 13 percent of Southerners owned slaves. And so what that meant is that the average person didn't see slaves. They knew it existed, right? Like most people know human trafficking exists, but they didn't see it on a day to day basis. And so what these storytellers did, these original abolitionists is they showed people what slavery truly was. And then what this did was it caused people to rise up and to be sick of it. Um, and after, you know, history prevailed and um, the, the Civil War ended, then luckily um, government-backed slavery was abolished. And unfortunately, slavery wasn't abolished for good. But you know what? We have to follow that same pattern where we have to show people what human trafficking is and that it is happening. And then hopefully it will start a public discourse so strong that uh, there won't there will no longer be a demand for it. Because well, one thing I'll put out there real quick is that, you know, an estimated 20 or 2 million children are being exploited for sex. Right. What kind of support or demand justifies that supply and that's a scary question to ask yeah. you know because those children are being abused or you know they're being abused and and their images and videos are being sold online to some of these some of these rooms and some of these like chat boards have 14,000 subscribers of just one of them right and like so like the question is how many people are engaging in this and that's a scary question to ask and and what culpability do we have as a culture and a society for cultivating a sort of place where where this sort of stuff is being consumed it's a scary question right absolutely i mean yeah especially in general and, and thinking about I have an eight and a 10 and a 12 year old. And mm -hmm. so really being in that place of what would I, what would I even think about it? If it just, my head goes in a lot of different places. Yeah. So I appreciate the work that you guys are doing. Talk to me. I know you said you've been on the front lines here. Yeah. Tell me about that. What is that like? Yeah. So the way that we work is different, whether it's domestically or internationally. So domestically, we act very much as a support role. Um, our law enforcement here in the United States is awesome and they're doing great things to combat child trafficking and child exploitation. Um, some of the problems that they run into is just lack of resources, um, whether that is funding for operations or technology. Um, and so here in the United States, what we'll do is we'll you know, meet with a law enforcement partner and we'll say, what are your needs? And they'll say, oh, we need digital forensic equipment or we need um, a Celebrite system, which that, that's for like unlocking iPhones that are be able to, you know, unlock encrypted iPhones and things like that. Like we need these in order to successfully be able to, um, you know, uh, investigate and then prosecute. Um, and so we'll provide those for them. 
Um, internationally, however, we, we act as the same role as a support, but a lot of times it's a lot more hands-on. Um, unfortunately, you know, our American countrymen um, are some of the biggest consumers of child sex around the world. And so a lot of times, you know, under the guise of sex tour or saying that they're sex tourists or whatever, they'll go to these countries um, and look for child sex and to abuse minors. And so because of that, we're able to go on an undercover in an undercover capacity, acting like child sex tourists. And what this does is it allows us allows us to be able to identify children who are being abused and then working with law enforcement so that law enforcement can arrest and then rescue. After that's done, then we'll provide um, aftercare services for the survivors. And so, you know, it's uh, <coughs> the way it works kind of more when you get more deep is we'll go into a country, you know, and really it's so much easier than you would think. Like go to any tourist spot and someone, you know, there's someone standing on the corner that maybe be offering drugs or girls and things like that. And all you have to do is sit there, listen, ask a few questions. And within five minutes, you're able to find out whether or not they have minors that they're willing to sell, that they sell for sex. And so it's happening right under our noses, especially in, in foreign countries where we go a lot for vacation. Um, and it's, it's pretty sickening once you actually get into the depths and look into the eyes of some of the people that are doing this. Wow. You know, I, I took the uh, certification that you guys have on the website and that was eye opening as well, just to see the kinds of questions to ask. And as somebody who's around a lot of kids, yeah. you know, that uh, I appreciate that you guys have these resources. Can you even talk just a little bit about what that is? Yeah, for sure. So uh, if you're interested in kind of just understanding a little bit more about human trafficking and and recognizing the signs of human trafficking, because uh, the probability that you're going to rub shoulders with or see someone um, that is being abused and exploited is, is very high. And so what you can do is go on OURrescue.org um, and there you will be able to click on a tab that says join the fight and then get trained. And you can take an hour long training that is put on by, you know, people like Tim Ballard, Jessica Mass, who's our aftercare director um, and other people at OUR. They kind of explain the signs of human tra trafficking, how to recognize them and then what to do if you find someone who looks like they may be being trafficked or exploited. Yeah, so this is a great training and I encourage you to go listen to it. We're going to go on a quick break. And when we get back, I've got so many more questions about what you got, what you're up to. So everyone enjoy this quick break. You're listening to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson here on Inspired Choices Network. And we have my new friend and guest Hayden Paul with us today explaining all about Operation Underground Railroad and what they're up to. So enjoy this quick break and we'll talk to you in just a second. Building a business is a lot like baking a cake. There are certain ingredients that can't be missed. By listening to Profit Launch with Kathleen Neeson, you will learn the five key steps that every great business utilizes. You will hear from successful entrepreneurs that will share what works and what doesn't work in their businesses. You will have an opportunity to ask questions so you can apply these steps directly to your business. Host and business coach Kathleen Reeson built seven successful businesses while raising three boys, volunteering extensively, and having some time left for her husband and herself. Listen to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson, and she will show you how you can build the business and the life you dream of, too. Are you ready? Listen to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson Radio Show every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 
10 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Mountain, and 8 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email becomeahost at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Welcome back to Profit Launch with Kathleen Risa. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson here on Inspired Choices Network. I'm your host, Kathleen Reeson. And today we've been talking all about Operation Underground Railroad with guest Hayden Hall. So Hayden, thank you so much again for being on here and carrying on this conversation about really who we get to be, where we get to go to support these children. And one of the things you've been talking about is aftercare. So you go yeah. in, we figure out what's what's going on here in the situation, we assess it, and then aftercare. What does that mean? Yeah. So aftercare is, is key to what we're doing. Cause you know, liberation, getting them out of the situation is just one step, but if you don't provide the proper tools and the proper healing, then it's only a matter of time before they can return back to that sort of life or end up caught in it again. And so it's very important that we, we uh, provide that aftercare element. So the way it works is let's say we're going into some country in South America before we do any sort of operation down there, aftercare has to be in place. We will not do an operation with foreign government unless we have aftercare partners that have been vetted and are providing all the services that that uh, a survivor would need. So uh, to be clear, OUR, we don't own any aftercare facilities. It would be completely inefficient for us. Uh, it would just cost so much. It would take so long and our impact would be so limited. Um, so what we do is we have trained aftercare um, uh, workers who, you know, have their masters in, um, you know, you know, how to deal with trauma and things of that nature. And they will go to these countries, find aftercare partners who are, you know, viable and are providing the, the right services. And then that's who we will use. So what how it works is we identify aftercare partner, we work with law enforcement, uh, the rescues happen. And then depending on the situation of, of the survivor, uh, they will either go to the aftercare facility and live there because either their family is non-existent or their family was the problem and they were actually trafficking them. And they'll live at the aftercare facility and have everything taken care of them. We'll, we'll, we'll pay for everything for them. Um, uh, you know, we'll provide things like uh, education. So college scholarships, things of that nature, um, vocational training, um, any mental health therapy that's necessary, all of that stuff. Um, and more, more than anything, just providing them a, a happy home, a place where they are loved, 
unconditionally and are some of them they've never experienced that depending on where they came from if they were orphans or going through the foster system and that's where they were abused and and sold uh, some of them have never experienced unconditional love and so uh, it's amazing how healing just that can be um, and you know there's story after story of survivors being able to you know transcend the terrible situation that was given to them um, and it's, it, it truly is inspiring. And so that's kind of how it works. Rescue is only half of, half of the problem. The other half that needs to be solved is, is through aftercare. So what, do you see clusters where you're saying typically we're, we're going here more than anywhere else? Are there, are there places around the world or here in the United States where you tend to see more activity? Yes, of course. Um, here in the United States, uh, it, it really is happening everywhere, but especially in large cities. So in places, some of the trafficking hubs of the United States are uh, New York, uh, Atlanta, um, places in Texas, as well as uh, South, uh, Southern California. Um, those are some of the hubs, but really um, it's happening in, in all states. Yeah. Um, but here, but in, in terms of internationally, you know, there, there are the hubs like Bangkok, Thailand, you know, Thailand, a lot of places in Southeast Asia, the Philippines, um, it's happening uh, in, you know, Mexico, South America. Uh, but yeah, some of the big hubs are like Thailand, Southeast Asia, as well as um, the Dominican Republic, Haiti, um, you know, a lot poverty is one of the the roots of human trafficking you know when people are impoverished it's easy it's easier to um, coerce them um, one of the ruses that's typically used is you know someone comes from another country um, into an impoverished land and they say hey i have a job for you heat over in this country and it's gonna you're gonna get paid this much here here's even two hundred dollars to show you that i'm serious and that's a lot of money to to an impoverished family and they're like so if your daughter comes with me she'll work at this resort or she'll be doing this or that and the daughter will go with them in hopes that money will be able to be sent back and then she'll be able to return and then what happens is her passport's stolen she's beaten abused and then and then sold for sex or indentured servitude um and so you know poverty impoverished places definitely have a higher um concentration of human trafficking um so yeah that's uh, hopefully that kind of answers your question yeah so so let me go into when you talk about all the services that you guys offer and what i hear is a lot of you guys are you guys are the bridge to whether it's aftercare or if uh a law enforcement needs some kind of resource you guys create that so tell me about what funding looks like for our what funding looks like? Is that yeah, like how do you, yeah. so so I know raising mm -hmm. money, volunteer, or uh, donations. Sure. How does that work for you? Yeah, so, uh, well, one of the things that's awesome is that we have one of those causes that pretty much anyone can get behind, you know? It's just like all of a sudden, when, when you hear about this, I remember the first time I heard about Operation Underground Railroad, I was just scrolling on Instagram. I saw an ad for it, I got into it, and I, it just changed my life forever, and I had to get involved somehow. And um, so fundraising, really, it, it's it's about sharing the story and then saying, this is what we're doing. And there's actual results. There's actual lives being changed. You can be a part of that. And so really, we have we have a pretty easy job. 
are, the hard part is 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 on the actual operations and aftercare side, um, the fundraising. Luckily, because there's so many generous people um, and so many people willing to tell the story. I mean, you're you're a perfect example of this, um, where you recognize this problem, you're passionate about doing something about it, and so you're using your network, you're using your influence. Now, not everyone has a radio show, not everyone has a podcast, but everyone has a network and an influence. And it's about people using that network and influence to raise awareness. And that that's really um, how we're able to fund these missions because it's expensive work. And you have to have a, a certain amount of fluidity with finances because you, know, you, you set up plans to go on an operation. This last operation I was on, you know, uh, we had a plan. We have a plan in place. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm also in the Marine Corps. And one of the things one of the sayings that we have is everyone's got a plan until the first round cracks over your head. And that's really how it is, you know. Um, and so when you get boots on the ground, things change and they evolve. And if you don't have fluidity with finances to be able to spend money in here and there and to be able to move, um, then these operations would, would not happen and they wouldn't be successful. So, you know, to be able to have that freedom, um, and that's one of the things that the government doesn't have in a lot of situations. And what, one thing that keeps them is having to get budgets approved and things like that. It can be a, a really big pain. And a lot of these um, operations are time sensitive. And so for us to be able to provide that money to law enforcement instead, it's it's kind of funny, we're, we're almost like, government contractors who pay the government instead of the government paying us. And so it's, it's, it's awesome. And I love that we're able to do that because there's such great law enforcement um, all around the world who are wanting to make an impact, but are limited because of things like money and resources. What does your team look like? I know you're on it. Tim's like, what does the team of, of Operation yeah. Underground Railroad consist of? Yeah. OUR, we've, we've grown a ton. Um, especially in the last couple of years. Uh, so we have, you know, I don't even know now, somewhere around 40 employees. Um, and, you know, that's that's just kind of like on the business side and kind of the, big, the bigger side. But then we have our undercover contractors. Uh, we have employees in Thailand who are uh, working round the clock doing operations. Like every single week they're doing operations. Um, and so the team is is big, but it's even bigger than just us employees. We have over 50,000 volunteers um, around the world. And I am saying like seriously around the world. I've talked to volunteers from India, um, from places in Europe. Uh, and so the OUR team is huge, um, but we're able to make such a big impact because we have some of the best in the business, especially in our op side. Like we have guys that have been in law enforcement for 35, um, 35 years, 20 years. Um, we have um, mil people who have been in the military and served in that capacity for over 20 years. Uh, so we really do have the best of the best. And we're, we're lucky that this cause draws so many good people to lend their services however however they, they can and, and want to. Sure. So mm -hmm. one question on this one, how has COVID impacted how you guys have worked? So over the last year, what's mm -hmm. shifted, if anything, for you guys? Yeah, a lot of our funding in the last year has gone to aftercare just because of the limit, 
our ability to be able to go to foreign countries and run operations. And so what we try to do is through our aftercare partners, identify other people who we can support and um, by just giving more and more support on the aftercare side of things. But COVID has definitely been rough and um, it's a lot of children have been exploited during COVID. Um, and, you know, maybe we don't have enough time to talk about this before the break. We should probably wait till after. Mm-hmm. But, you know, human trafficking and exploiting children, you don't have to be with the child to exploit them and to, you know, quote unquote, traffic them. It, a lot of that happens on the Internet. And we can talk about that uh, after the break about, you know, how your child just being on the Internet can actually be exploited and quote unquote trafficked um, through these internet forums and things of that nature. It's, it's a scary thing. Um, and it requires parents to be vigilant and to understand what their children are doing online. And so you hit on one of my biggest challenges as a parent, and especially with our, with our 12 year old and how he's really getting into more of the games and some of these, uh, even that the typing game that they use for school has an ability for them to chat with other people out in the world. And there's just so much that, yeah, we have controls on it, but I'm not sure that there's really a lot you can do. So I'm really, this is going to be an, I'm so excited that we're going here. Uh, And Mm -hmm. it it makes me uncomfortable at the same time, which is, that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. So we're going to go on this quick break. And you're listening to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson with my new friend, Hayden Paul with Operation Underground Railroad. And when we get back, we're going to dig into how do we actually keep our, our children safe or understand what they're doing online? Because that is an area that's being utilized. So enjoy this quick break and we'll come back and continue this conversation. Building a business is a lot like baking a cake. There are certain ingredients that can't be missed. By listening to Profit Launch with Kathleen Neeson, you will learn the five key steps that every great business utilizes. You will hear from successful entrepreneurs that will share what works and what doesn't work in their businesses. You will have an opportunity to ask questions so you can apply these steps directly to your business. Host and business coach Kathleen Reeson built seven successful businesses while raising three boys, volunteering extensively, and having some time left for her husband and herself. Listen to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson, and she will show you how you can build the business and the life you dream of, too. Are you ready? Listen to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson Radio Show every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Mountain, and 8 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Welcome back to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson. I'm your host, Kathleen Reeson. We're here on Inspired Choices Network. And my new friend, Hayden Paul, and I are here today talking about Operation Underground Railroad. So Hayden, Let's continue on our conversation. So right when we get, when we uh, left for the break, we were talking about the internet and how that's used as a tool, but you get, it makes me really uncomfortable. And I'm, and thank you. Thank you for going here and, and highlighting what as parents we can do to protect and what's really going on. So Hayden. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Yeah. So like I said, this is one of the reasons why human trafficking and child exploitation is so hard to fight is because it has so many different faces. So before I kind of get into uh, our, the subject, I'll just I'll preface it with, you know, everyone, a lot of people think that human trafficking is always a child taken from a happy family, sold off to some foreign country, never seen again. Right. 
Um, but that, although that is the case sometimes for sure, and we've seen those cases, a lot of times, you know, the trafficking and exploitation happens either inter within the family, um, extended family, or sometimes immediate family, um, or, you know, from someone in the community. Um, so, you know, this trafficking can happen, you know, right under our noses in our homes, like in our communities and in homes in our neighborhood. So that's what makes it so hard. And another way, and, and this is the internet kind of added this other element where, you know, it could be debated whether or not, you know, this is trafficking or not, but I'm going to kind of give you a scenario. So what happens is, you know, depending on what generation you're from, when you played video games as a kid, you were always playing against the computer or someone else in your room, right? Uh, either someone that was right next to you or against the computer. Well, today, in today's world, when a, a kid is playing on the internet, usually it's not against the computer. And sometimes parents will think that. They'll think, oh, he's just playing a computer game and he's not playing against anyone. But a lot of games now online have are playing with people all over the world, which can be a cool thing. Right. Um, but when it comes to, you know, protecting your children, it can make it complicated because a lot of these games have chat features and ways to connect. And there's no way to, um, identify whether a person is who they say they are. Right. Um, now here's, here's something that I'll say, and, and everyone could probably agree is you would never let your, your kid, um, go over to and hang out at someone's house with a bunch of people that you didn't know first off, as well as um, with people who could be 40 years of age, 30 um, from all different backgrounds. You have no idea who they are. You would never let that happen. But a lot of times we're doing that with our children online. We're letting them interact and, and, and play these games with people all over the world. And you have no idea who they truly are. And so what can happen is, uh, you know, these pedophiles and um, predators, they can start interacting with your children as some guys saying that they're about the same, they're the same age as your child, interacting back and forth, and then get to the point where they can convince them to send pictures of themselves, you know, start off with just a normal picture of the face, and it can slowly progress uh, into sending explicit photos of themselves. Um, and then what can happen is that, and they call this sexploitation, um, where, or no, sextortion, that's what it is, um, where they'll have these pictures now, and they've been learning about you and your family during this whole time because they, they were becoming your friend, right? And then they'll say, well, I'm going to send these pictures to your family if you don't keep sending more and doing what I say. And so and then what happens is, you know, this kid, he's, he's nervous, he or she is nervous, they don't want to tell their parents this embarrassing thing. And so they continue to be exploited through this person online. They've never met this person. This person's never touched them yet. Pictures of them are being shared and trafficked. And so although the child isn't physically being trafficked and exploited um, by being touched, the pictures of he or she are being sent around on different forums um, and the child's being exploited. And so this is this is one way and this is why COVID has been really hard is because a lot of kids have just been home alone parents have to go to work um they're all they have is to be online and you can find yourself in really dangerous situations um so it's just important 
as parents to recognize and understand what it is that your children are doing online and what the nature of these games are. And if they have chat features and things like that, setting boundaries and kind of uh, giving age appropriate explanations of the things that can, that can happen to your child online in terms of exploitation. Yeah. So where do you, like, when you think, when you say age appropriate, where do you find information about that, about what, how to actually have that conversation with a child? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a difficult thing. Uh, you know, my wife and I were having uh, our first in May. We're super excited. But with that, you know, you, you get a little nervous of like, how am I going to have these conversations, you know, about, you know, not only just like Internet safety, but sexuality generally. And how do you do it at different ages? And um, there's a lot of good resources that I've looked at online, good books that kind of explain, you know, and this is Hayden talking, not necessarily OUR, yeah. but uh, I think it's, I've found resources that, you know, teach you how to talk about things like sex from an age appropriate thing. So, and the first time I saw this, I was, I was like, what? Cause there's like a book from like um, three to five-year-olds. And I'm like, what do you teach a three to five-year-old about sex? We well, don't really teach them anything. You just kind of teach them that they have private parts and that nobody should touch them. And that uh, those are just like, those are like kind of like the no-no zone, right? You know, and then, you know, from seven to nine, it's different. And then slowly you move up until uh, you're, you're educating your children. But I think one thing that's important um, is to teach your children boundaries and that they can also talk to you. Um, that if someone crosses those boundaries, and even if they cross those boundaries themselves, that you're not going to be mad at them if they come to you. Um, because, you know, if they're afraid that mom and dad are going to be mad because I got into a bad situation online, um, then they could potentially get in worse and worse situations. And uh, so I think that's really important. But it, there's a lot of good resources online. Um, and just be cognizant of it and just be looking and, and you'll find good things that will help you out because it's a, it's a hard thing to navigate. Yeah, sure. And, and congratulations. This is very exciting. Yeah. Uh, so tell me from, from an OUR perspective, what do you, how do you guys, how are you infiltrating the internet in that way to stop uh, exploitation? Yeah. So we actually have a guy. Um, he's awesome. He He's based out of uh, Thailand and he is around the clock kind of doing, getting on the dark web and and finding child exploitation material, as well as, as potential cases um, that will allow us to identify victims and then hopefully um, arrest perpetrators. And I, I mean, I'm telling you like uh, this, this last stop that we were doing, I can't say exactly where it is, but it was in Central America area. A couple of weeks before we were going, we were like, hey, find a few leads. And so he went on the dark web, he knows how to find these places and he found leads in this place all the way across the world um, and then from that, we were able to develop them and, and to be able to have success. And so the internet is kind of like the, I mean, if you're going to go kind of make the comparison to sla the slavery, it's kind of the slave block of today, right? It's not like a, it's not like a, how it was in the transatlantic slave trade where you went to a place and people would go and, and like look at the slaves and things like that is terrible and dehumanizing. Um, but it's kind of happening online now. Um, 
And so, yes, one of the things that we do as well is we we try to, depending on the law, the um, law enforcement agency and what their capabilities are, we'll actually teach them how to investigate online, how to use social media and, and teach them how predators are using social media to exploit children. Um, so, so that's a big part of what we do. And one of the things that I hear you talking about is the dark web. And, and so, mm-hmm. I, you know, I know that, that there's a dark web that exists, but you know, how, how I use the, the internet and how probably most people use the internet, you know, we go to Google or Yahoo mm-hmm. or something like that, but they, there's this whole other world out there. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, what I'm hearing you say, that's not how you're using it uh, for, mm-hmm. for the purposes of what you're doing for OUR. Mm-hmm. Not that I necessarily want to know about it so that I can go <laughs> use yeah, it, but yeah. where does it even exist? Uh-huh. Well, it's, it's kind of crazy. Um, yeah, there is the dark web, but you can access a lot of bad things just through normal Google. You don't have to go to the quote unquote dark web. Um, and so something that's crazy is in 2019, over 40 million images of child exploitation material, images and videos were reported. Um, and, and this was on like mainstream sites, um, things on Google, um, Facebook, Instagram, um, all these different things. These were the reported cases, just like 40 million. Like that's insane. Um, and so, you know, this, this material can be accessed from a lot of different avenues and, you know, these pedophiles, they, they have their, the language that they use, they have, um, their, you know, for lack of a better term, standard operating procedures. And, you know, a lot of times it can look like, you know, there's a chat board deep, deep on the internet, you know, maybe it's not on the dark web, but it's deep in some sort of chat room. Um, and people can pay in order to get a login to an email. And then in that email is where all the child exploitation material is saved or to a Dropbox folder to things like that. And uh, so, you know, Google Drive, Dropbox, uh, sometimes this material can be hidden in there. And, you know, uh, tech companies do their best to try to recognize them. And there's some great um, technology out there that is able to kind of help this. Um, but no matter what, it, it seems to just kind of sneak under the radar. So do you have partnerships with like Google and Microsoft and some of those to, or do those exist in, in this scope? Um, we don't like as an organization, we don't have like specific partnerships with those um, organizations, but in our work, we have, you know, worked with different large tech companies like that in order to investigate and to uh, get information and intel. Sure. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many, my mind is going about a million different places of all of the, how the game has changed. (coughs) I mean, really, Mm -hmm. when you think about 20 years ago and 10 years ago and today, and when we were having this conversation 20 years ago, half the tool, more than half the tools that are utilized probably didn't exist then. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so law enforcement is kind of having to play catch up in a lot of a lot of ways. And um, they just like when you talk about 40 million images online, like we could devote all of all of our money and resources to just fighting that that those 40 million images. And it still probably wouldn't be enough. And so, um, you know, 
our incredible partners, especially here domestically in the United States, like they're drowning in leads, like they're constantly getting leads and they don't have enough time and manpower in order to do that. And, and the thing that's so tragic about that fact is that there are actual human lives attached to those images and, and those videos. Like those are children who are being exploited and the lack of resources is unfortunately kind of sometimes sealing their fate. And so that's really what we want to do. We just want to be able to provide whatever it is that will allow more children to be taken out of those situations and more predators um, out of off the internet and and out of our communities. Yeah. So so thank I mean, the forty million images is that really is so it's surprising and yet I see it. I mean, I, I don't see the images, but I see how it could be. Uh, such a challenge and so big of an issue. This is thank you for showing this awareness. We're going to go on a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to bring us all together in how we can support what we can do to really mm-hmm. make a difference for Operation Underground Railroad and ultimately for the humans that this is impacting because that's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go on this quick break. You guys are listening to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson here on Inspired Choices Network. Enjoy this quick break. And when we get back, we are going to put this all together. See you soon. Building a business is a lot like baking a cake. There are certain ingredients that can't be missed. By listening to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson, you will learn the five key steps that every great business utilizes. You will hear from successful entrepreneurs that will share what works and what doesn't work in their businesses. You will have an opportunity to ask questions so you can apply these steps directly to your business. Host and business coach Kathleen Reeson built seven successful businesses while raising three boys, volunteering extensively, and having some time left for her husband and herself. Listen to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson, and she will show you how you can build the business and the life you dream of too. Are you ready? Listen to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson Radio Show every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Mountain, and 8 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Welcome back to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson here on Inspired Choices Network. I'm your host, Kathleen Reeson. And today we have been talking with Hayden Paul from Operation Underground Railroad. And we have been, she's been sharing all about what they're up to in this world and, and really the human trafficking and what the challenge is. So Hayden, thank you for being here. And thank you for having me. Yes. So the way that I got connected to Hayden, and so I'm going to share this with you guys so you guys, you can see how this, this path worked. Uh, I'd heard about Operation Underground Railroad, but I really didn't know a lot about it. And uh, I'm, as I mentioned on this show over the last you know, few months, I've been captaining a team from Boston Breakthrough Academy, and it's a, an emotional intelligence training. And so as, as this program, part of the one thing that they do is we raise money for an organization. And the team voted and, and said Operation Underground, Underground Railroad is what we're going to support. And got on board, they picked an amount, and they chose to raise $55,000 for Operation Underground Railroad. And it's so cool. Because what, what, what would having an additional $55,000 mean for the organization, Hayden? It's, I mean, it's so hard to put, like, a value to that because um, 
you know, all, I've looked in the eyes of our survivors, you know, recently uh, I was on an operation where I got to like, where I got to meet a seven-year-old girl who was no longer in being abused by the predator who we were able to arrest. And uh, like, I can't share much about these because confidentiality is key, but I mean, this seven-year-old girl, she, you know, she was missing her two front teeth cause she lost them, you know, and like a lot of seven-year-olds do. And she's just the sweetest thing. When she talked, she, she talked with a list because she was missing her teeth and just like the sweetest little angel I've ever met. And here's the thing is that operation that we did that resulted in her rescue, it cost less than $55,000. Um, and so, but what I'm going to, what I'll say is that if all the money we've ever raised since 2014 had just resulted in her rescue and in her being taken out of that situation, it would have been worth it 100%. And so really that $55,000, it could literally mean the world to someone. Um, and you know what? Every single operation, like there were expenses, there were there were things that had to be paid for along the way that led us to her and to the other survivors involved. You know, there were also there was also a nine, a nine year old and a five year old who were involved um, and were being abused. And so like there were expenses along the way that we had to be able to front, you know, anywhere from fifty dollars to one hundred dollars to a thousand dollars. And the, our ability to do that is because people like you and people listening are, are generous enough to give whatever it is that they can. Yeah. And it, it, the thing is, whatever it is you can, those are such valuable words. And mm -hmm. the way that this, that my team is raising money, yes, I'll, we'll have the link in the show notes if you are called to, to donate. And the other thing is, so there's people that were actually, we're just asking, Hey, would you donate to this cause? And then there's activities. Like they have a, on Friday night, there's a, a chef, uh, a chef from Cirque du Soleil has volunteered his time and we're learning how to make this four course meal. And we had a dares for dollars on Saturday night. I sang, I will always love you while brushing my tea on a Facebook live because somebody said, Hey, I'll pay you $25. If you do that. I'm like, okay, cool. Because what would it mean? Like, who, who cares what I look stupid. It doesn't matter. There's a seven-year-old girl who lost her innocence. Like, I can look stupid. It doesn't matter. And that's just the gravity of all that we can create when we really stand for someone else. And it doesn't matter if it's $5 or $10 or a hundred dollars or a thousand or a million. It's that whatever we can give in that moment, that's what's important. Yeah, it is. And I mean, there's so many, I mean, there's so many things that we're involved in. Like, for example, we've been able to luckily be involved in the repatriation of hundreds of women, like a few hundred women um, who were being trafficked in the Middle East and were taken from their homes in Africa. And we were able to, by working with a partner in the Middle East, identify these women, um, get them passports because their passports were stolen and they were abused and being and in indentured servitude. And they found themselves in prison because they tried to escape. Um, but they didn't have any passports or anything like that to identify where they were from. And so they got put in prison. And so by us being able to identify them, like there's just little expenses along the way that, that do that. And in a flight from the middle East to Africa, like who knows, I mean, it, it'd be anywhere from 600 to thousand dollars, but like 
that matters. Like those women are now home and a lot of them had children and husband husbands and like they're now with their family again. And so like the little bit, it, it makes a difference and it could literally mean the world to someone else. Yeah, that's it gives me goosebumps to think about that. And so there's all, and the, the biggest piece here, and, and obviously we're talking about Operation Underground Railroad today and the importance of this organization and the, the mark that you guys are, are creating in this world and the ripple. And in the, the, the stand on this show is really about like, be a stand. So yes, we want, we want it to be for Operation Underground Railroad, but more than anything, figure out what it is that you care about and want to move in the world and do it. But because we can't just sit around and wait for something to happen. We get to be the people that are going to be the change that we want to see. For sure. And all I will say is this is like, uh, for example, Harriet uh, Beecher Stowe, I know we're running on time, so I'll be quick on this. Um, but Harriet Beecher Stowe, who wrote Uncle Tom's Cabin, she didn't have a huge influence um, before she wrote that book. She was just a writer and she wrote that book and it, what happened was it told the story of slavery and two over 2 million copies were sold. And this book was so influential that when the president of the United States, Abraham Lincoln met her during the heat of the civil war, he shook her hand and he said, you must be the lady that wrote the book that started this war and 600,000 lives lost later, government backed slavery was abolished. And so you have a talent, everyone listening, you have a talent, you have a network, you have something that you can do. And you have no idea what you employing that talent could do for the cause and, and to actually rescuing someone from this horrific, uh, this horrific um, life. 100%. We have one guy on our team who is a phenomenal musician and he is, we have an auction going on. You guys will put that in the links. We have an auction going on and he is donating drum lessons. There are fitness coaches and people are just figuring out mm -hmm. they have these talents and they are giving them out into the world because they're saying, look, this gets to stop. And I get to be a piece of this. I get to be the solution, not just a, the problem alerter. Yeah. That's awesome. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. And then and that's the, this is the, the biggest message today. So Hayden, thank you so much for being on here. I can't thank you enough for it, as uncomfortable as hearing some of the things you have to say are I am in gratitude for the work that you are creating and where you your come from is in the world. So thank you. No, thank you so much. And thank you to everyone listening. And I hope one day that we'll see the end of human trafficking. Yeah, absolutely. It gets to happen. And it starts with you listening. It starts with you listening. So in the show notes, there's absolutely all the information on and look up Operation Underground Railroad because you guys, this is an incredible organization. I'm Kathleen Reeson. I'm here every week, every Monday, having conversations like this about how we Thank you for world. listening to Project All right, Month guys. Have a great Reeson. week. Bye. Kathleen Reeson will return next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Mountain, and 8 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Would you like to be on the show or do you have a show idea? Go to KathleenReason.com forward slash radio. Have a great week.